Today's podcast on Broken Laces is with Barney Mann, who also goes by the trail name Scout. Today's podcast on Broken Laces is with Barney Mann, who also goes by the trail name Scout. Barney has just released a book titled Journeys North days ago, and it tracks his and his wife's through hike of the Pacific Coast Trail in 2007. It's tagged with a wonderful tagline, The Wild Meets the Breakfast Club. In the book, Barney details the journey of a half or so dozen hikers as they trod north, slowly forming relationships and revealing their deepest secrets and aspirations. They face a -a once-in-a-generation drought and early severe winter storms that test their will in a bare-knuckled adventure. In fact, only a third of the hikers who set out on the trail that year would finish. I've been reading the book. I am someone who enjoys just reading hiking books. And now this is a book where I'm reading it for the people in it. So I really welcome you to go find the book. You can find a a signed copy or a regular copy of Barney Scout Man. That's B-A-R-N-E-Y Scout M-A-N-N dot com. You can find it on Amazon. Preferably if you can find it at a local independent bookstore. That's great too. But probably online is your best bet. Before we hop into the interview, I wanted to to recap season two, as this will be the last interview of the season. I may hop on, as I did in season one, one more time myself, as I plan to take uh, a week or two off and go hiking myself, and who knows what I'll uncover then. I want to thank all of my listeners, as we've had a, a great year. We've We've doubled what we did in downloads over the same time period of what we've done this year. Where we could improve is reviews. Um, we had great reviews last year, so if there's one thing we can kind of get to the finish line to make this a successful season two, go leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. If you know others listen to the podcast, uh, make sure you share that info with them, and, and let's get those reviews up. Big shout out to my guests this year. Uh, as it was with last year, a majority of my guests this year were first-time connections or introductions, either receiving a cold call from myself, having a mutual connection, or at first this year, guests reaching out to me. All in all, they've been great ambassadors of the show, sharing with their networks. The Wilderness Society put out an awesome social media campaign to sort support my interview with Chase Huntley. We have others who've been sharing with their newsletters, Andrew Skirka and Liz Thomas, just to name a few. I've just been really happy with kind of how the network has grown within my guests, within the listeners, and I'm I'm seeing it just in the comments that I hear back. Big shout out to my friend Elizabeth, who's been helping behind the scenes with some marketing and advertising, and major kudos to my wife, who's always listening to my ideas and making suggestions to make it better. Season three planning's in the works with two guests already secured for next year. I'm going to go on a 10-day hike or so in the coming weeks, and I'm sure there'll be some learnings and stories along the way to share with you as well. The podcast has been well-received among our crowd, and the next step is just to make a spread. So I'm, I'm happy to have you here. Hope you can continue to listen to any episodes you've missed in the seasons and make note among our hiker community. Now on to my chat with Barney, whose book I was able to get an advanced copy and has been a truly enjoyable read. Let's get to it. Hi, Barney. Hello, Riley. 
That's good to have you on the phone. I'm glad uh, glad your team reached out to me. I'm, I'm already like 160 pages into this book, and I'm so excited to talk to you about it. Well, I'm glad you're reading it, and uh, uh, I'm glad you have a good time hiking along with me in the uh, Civicus Trail class of 2007. Yes, it's... Um, it's been a great read. The character development is 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 top notch. The trail is a character, if you, if you kind of think of it that way too, where it's it's you're learning about the trails you're going along as you're learning about the characters. So, I'm really excited to hop into talking about the book a little bit later on. But before we get to that, I'd love to just hear about your origin story. I know. You were a trail. You are a trail angel. You've hosted, you know, thousands of people at your place in San Diego, and you're a triple crown hiker. And so you obviously are in this particular niche of long distance backpacking. And I just want to know, like, how did you get to that point of of being a trail angel, but also a long distance hiker? So interesting. You really tucked two questions into one. Yeah. Let's start with the uh, uh, with the hiking question. Um, how to get started in it first, because that goes back further in time. And if you were to, uh, to look at little Barney when he was born and see that he was born to parents who were non-campers and non-hikers, you would not have predicted I'd be sitting here today and have hiked uh, cumulatively maybe two-thirds around the world. Give me a break. Yeah. But what my parents did when I was 11, 12, 13 is they took me to Boy Scout meetings. And there I had these wonderful men, Mr. Massey, Mr. Quinn, Mr. Metcalf. I love still saying their names because they they took me on my first 50 miler in the Sierra Nevada. I was 13, didn't even weigh eight, didn't even weigh 80 pounds. My pack weighed at least half that. And I learned from them out there that really two things. Both I didn't realize until later how important it was. One, I learned to be comfortable and at home in the outdoors. If you if you drop me down out uh, uh, out there almost anywhere, I'm okay. I'm okay, and I feel good, and I feel home out there. Uh, and the other thing you taught me was was to like myself. And I was a scrawny, probably often annoying a uh, uh, little kid. And that's that was an important lesson too. I didn't realize too much later how important it was. So since that time, I backpack probably every year. My wife likes to say that um, when we met, if I hadn't been a backpacker, we would not be sitting here today, forty three years married. Mm. Uh, we also like to say we never had a first date; we had a first backpack. Our kids were born. Uh, our eldest, our son, was. Uh, we took him three times backpacking, much to my parents' chagrin. Before we was age one, we've gone. Uh, you know, every year with the kids, we'd go backpacking with them multiple times, usually. And our son got married uh, nine years ago. Uh, for his honeymoon, he true hiked the John Muir Trail, which I understand you have hiked. So you know, if you can imagine doing that for your honeymoon, that's what he did. Love that's it. And then. Uh, uh, some years after that, probably late 1990s, uh, my wife, Sandy, although I will sometimes call her Frodo because that's her trail name, and literally thousands and tens of thousands know her solely as that, Frodo, as they know me as Scout rather than Barney. Um, uh, the two of us started setting our hat on a, doing a through hike, doing the whole Pacific Crest Trail, five months out there, Mexico to Canada. And we did the uh, John Muir Trail in 2003 to see if we'd still want to do this. And here, by the way, I haven't lost sight of that second question and about the segue into our, uh, into our starting to be a, a trail agent. Well, bef- before that, you, you, you've already hopped into your trail name. So now we have people listening who are curious. I mean, Scout, it sounds like, I mean, you started off as a Boy Scout. Is that where that came from? 
Um, not really. Okay. In part there. So we uh, hiked the John Muir Trail in 2003. And we're already familiar with this concept of trail names. And they can't see right. me, but I'm doing quotes around with my fingers in the air, trail names. Uh, started out as an Appalachian Trail tradition. So you're going out and you're doing this four and five mile, excuse me, four and five month uh, journey. And you're, you've uprooted yourself from your life. And it's as if you stepped into Narnia or stepped into Hogwarts. You stepped into this entirely different life. And so this tradition developed of taking on a different name. But it's not one you usually choose for yourself. It's usually the tradition is one that's given to you. So um, Rolling Thunder, if I may, was sitting around one evening having uh, eaten some uh, beans earlier in the day and was doing what one does after one eats a lot of beans. Okay. And a young woman near him said, what was that sound? And he said, well, that would be Rolling Thunder. There you go. <laughs> Scout is a fairly short story, not as interesting as Frodo's. But on our John Muir Trail hike, first day out, a young man attached him to it, to us like a leech. Uh, just out of high school, he's a bit lonely, and we look like nice parental types. And he just starts chatting uh, right behind us, and we talk with him. And three hours later, I hear this question behind me. And the question is, what's the most important thing you've done in your life? Mm. At that point, I probably had four or five truthful answers to that. But the answer that popped out of my mouth at that moment was I was scoutmaster of a Boy Scout troop, 65 boys for five years. Riley, scoutmaster is a bit too too pretentious. <laughs> the book we had torn up to read, and that's what we used to do before before you downloaded books on your cell phone and walked with them. The book we had torn up and put it up, uh, uh, 50 page or 100 page segments in our future resupplies was To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm. Who would not want to be named after its nine-year-old hero, Scout Finch, huh? So that's how I. Right. Yeah, and the Fro the Frodo is easy. I mean, any any Lord of the Rings fan will know that it has to do with Lord of the Rings. And unless she was wearing some sort of like Lord of the Rings jacket, you must have given her a ring of some sort to to get that name, to bequeath that name. So you hit it on the head, and uh, I'll have to say. It's my fault, and I apologize to her. She was in the room <laughs> once again because she had a thing beforehand. Trail names said, "What's a guy doing with a girl's name, you know, or with a woman's name?" That's you know, or vice versa. This just yeah. didn't feel right to her. But the summer we hiked, two thousand seven, which is the uh, uh, which is the subject of uh, my book, Turnies North. That that summer was to be our thirtieth wedding anniversary, and she's not a jewelry person. But I thought to myself about a year before. I need to do something special for that woman who has put up with me for that many years. And I had this picture in my mind of a Pacific Crest Trail ring. You'd be able to look at it from three, four, five feet away, and you'd see the PCT symbol in the center. And then the channel, a little bit of a wide channel, and the channel would be the outline of the North and the South Monuments and of Mount Shasta, which you see for 300 miles, 350 miles of trail, and of Mount Hood. I got this thing, and it... Uh, uh, about three months before we started and burned a hole in my pocket. And I would, uh, we were hosting, we were being trail angel to other hikers who were starting that year, 35 of them. And I'd swear them to secrecy and I'd show them this ring. I'm going to give Frodo when she starts. I'm, I'm going to give Sandy because she wasn't Frodo yet. Uh, so she starts and there was a, um, a day after uh, she started, there used to be a hiker gathering called the kickoff and hikers would come back up the trail and some of those people we already hosted would be there. It's a gathering of maybe at that point 600 people, 150 of which 
or actually that year, hiking Phoebus and Chris Trail. And now you got it right. Those folks thought to themselves, my gosh, Lord of the Rings, ring bearer, long, dangerous journey, right? And they just accosted her and said, right. we know what your trail name has to be. It's Frodo. It's got to be. Yeah. Now, when you wrote, wrote about it in the book, I was like, oh, this once I knew your wife's name, it was like oh, she must have carried a ring of some sort, whether on her necklace or, or, or Scout or yourself, Barney. I gave it to her. So that's this makes sense to me. But uh, I interrupted you. I asked you two questions. You dutifully, as a, a guest, picked that up right away. And I want to get to the Trail Angel part. So you've hosted up to, to 7,000 people uh, on your property. And I just want to know, like, what makes you start doing that? Like, how do you become one? I'm imagining you, you, you start with a, a small number of people and then word gets out and it just starts happening organically. Like, what, tell, me, tell me how that shapes out. Well, yeah, we could just end right there because that is the answer. That's but, the answer. But I will provide a few details because yeah. I think you want some and your audience would like some. A year before we threw hiked in 2007, we're way enthused and uh, we thought we live in San Diego. Trailhead is 60 miles to the east. It's hard to get to. To get to by public transportation takes three different legs. It takes more than a half a day when you get dropped out there. You're not dropped at the trailhead, you're a mile uh, uh, or so away, there's no signage. And your choice is to sleep that night. You could sleep by the uh, youth detention center or the um, border patrol station, maybe get roused. Mm. So people would uh, at times describe their day zero, the day before they started as the worst day in the trip. So we thought, boy, we had heard of other people doing this. Let's reach out and we'll have a couple of this year's, uh, 2006, the year before, before we hiked, a couple of them, we'll, they'll stay with us. And we'll feel their excitement. Maybe they'll journal online uh, during the summer and we can follow them. And won't it be so cool to just build our own excitement and we'll have these neat connections. And that's what we did. And that year, over the course of about four or five weeks, we hosted 17 people. We are still in touch with at least half of them. Uh, Rolling Thunder, whose name I mentioned, was number two. And all these later hikers owe a big debt to these original 17 because obviously we had a good time. And we we're willing to do it again. The next year, before we hiked ourselves, while she's writing, a, she's a high school science teacher, and she's writing 11 weeks of lesson plans. I'm extricating myself from a law practice. Uh, we hosted a, a, a 35 hikers that year before we started out. And the following year, as you said, word got out. We hosted over 100 that year and literally had over one out of three, usually. Um, between a third to 40% of that year's starting class stays at our house. Mm. 2019, over eight weeks time, we had over 1,200 people stay at our house, 30 to 40 a night. And we both either want to lock us up or give us a hug for doing this. And it's not just us. I wrote thank you notes to over 81 volunteers. Every morning we have four to 10 cars leave our little cul-de-sac to drive hikers out in the morning. Mm. Usually one car is ours. The rest are other folks who want to give back, who want to touch the trail, want to be around these special people who are starting this this miracle of a journey. You know, they often they've uh, uh, sublet their apartment, they may have sold their car, their stuffs in storage, and they're starting this journey of a lifetime. We uh, <laughs> we go and I do Costco runs a couple times a week because we feed them too. Really? Um, 
I'll get a, I'll have a, either two large carts full, uh, and you know, it's just a shocking amount of groceries. And usually, the the uh, checker will ask me, uh, you know, so where's the party? Can I come too? But um, my wife and I were lucky; we didn't get the trail names OCD. Um, one thing we're both good at is organizing. Yeah. To do this, to go from seventeen to twelve hundred, there has to be a backside or an underside that's that runs like um, <laughs> one hiker wrote. <laughs> In his, apparently in his online journal, he said, uh, Scout and Frodo, they have systems within systems. They're like a freaking cuckoo clock. <laughs> and you know, I'm raising my hand now, guilty as charged, because to be able to do what we most love, which is spend time with hikers while they're here, is we have on the backside, we have a website now. And it's not to track more people. It's to help with the information flow so people can go on there and they will know what it's like here. They'll see pictures. They'll know how to be picked up. The sign up is no longer here. I'm sending my information, but we have a, <laughs> there's a, a, a fill out a form. You fill it out, you press send, it immediately populates our spreadsheet. You've typed in the information we have it to. And at the same time, it populates a volunteer spreadsheet. So rather, if you wanted to drive one morning, you would go to our volunteer spreadsheet. You would uh -huh. see every morning how many seatbelts we still need. And if you chose a morning and typed it in, you'd have the satisfaction of seeing the number of seatbelts go down because you're driving. I love it. Yeah, I think the the best part of your answer is that it's not just you and Frodo. It's you've you've established a community in your vicinity that's willing to help out. And and for the listeners, if if you hadn't heard of the term trail angel, I didn't do a great job introducing it. These are these are folks who are often near the trail who will either host uh, through hikers on their property, um, provide food and water, provide an opportunity to shower, um, could be you know in the desert and providing water caches. So you, you don't necessarily have to host. Um, you can just be helping those on their journey um, along the PCT in this case. I would love for you to kind of, I think you kind of painted the picture, but what does it look like at your house then? So you have, so you have 20 people, is there, is there, 10 tents in the backyard and you're barbecuing up and what's, what's the scene look like, you know, going into their day zero. So these days it's the average is 30 to 40 or 45 a night. And we do have a good sized backyard. Mm. We have uh, three large catering tents, uh, 12 foot by 20 foot. They'll sleep six big Agnes, the uh, outdoor company heard about what we we're doing. They donated uh, three, six person tents have a tree house I built with a daughter 20 years wow. ago. It has a loft with a queen size mattress and usually couples will snag that. That's yeah. like the number one, like luxury room. I bet <laughs> people have dreamed someday, maybe I'll sleep in a tree house. <laughs> come here. Oh my gosh. Out in the front is a, a tent trailer. And usually folks might come here in a small group or maybe two couples will put in that. And then inside we have uh, five bedrooms, one for us, a one for, uh, live in volunteers, will have hikers who want to give back from past years. And at any one time these days, we will have usually three live in volunteers who are there to help out just like we are. You know, living in the house, getting up at 430 in the morning like we are, oh, wow. uh, getting, getting to bed, you know, maybe 10 o'clock uh, and all that stuff. Uh, and then uh, for those who arrive late at night, will have folks who get in, uh, you know, their, their train is late, gets in, uh, scheduled at midnight and they get in at two or three. We leave a note in the front door. And we don't lock our, our door for all the entire weeks. And it basically says, here's what a bathroom is. Come inside, sit up in the living room, and uh, we'll talk to you in the morning. So that's how we sleep that much. And as far as dinner, 
both my wife and I enjoy cooking. Uh, so we trade off usually every other night. And if it was me and you were there about three o'clock, I'll step outside and say, who wants to help? I could use uh, five pairs of hands, six pairs of hands. And they'll come inside and they'll see I've set up stations, you know, cutting boards with maybe a, a next to one is a pile of onions. Next one is tomatoes. And each one, I've taken one, say tomatoes, and I've done a little bit. And they basically say, it's like the old um, uh, Rumpelstiltskin of folktale where he says, look at all the straw, make it into gold. I'll say, mm -hmm. take all these tomatoes, make them into this. Um, I'll have someone sauteing. I'll have someone us maybe slicing and dicing a, ch a chicken. And we'll uh, usually all put on chef's hats because you got to have fun doing this. Maybe we'll sing a few songs that like doing that. Uh, and an hour's time, 4, 4.15, maybe including someone uh, making drop biscuits because we like to do everything uh, uh, everything fresh. It's fun. We'll basically have dinner all ready to go. And uh, we'll have it buttoned up. Just need to uh, to, uh, to, uh, to reheat some things. Um, and then at dinner, we'll have six. I'll stand outside and I'll either do a good job blowing the conch shell. Or I'll, I will embarrass myself once again. And both can happen. You never know. <laughs> then uh, uh, with this many people, we need to eat outside these days. A circle of, uh, of, uh, of uh, chairs. Various uh, various ages and stages of of, of a beach and a you know beach and outdoor yard chairs. Some of us will sit in the ground, and then afterwards we'll hold an after dinner talk. Riley, one of the things we realized a number of years ago is that having a third of, of that year's class through hikers come to your house gives us this wonderful opportunity. Um, Frodo and I we actually can positively affect behavior out there. So in between in between Josh and telling some stories. Uh, for about half afterwards, half hour after dinner, um, we talk about leave no trace. Uh, we talk about uh, you know packing out your toilet paper. Talk about being good trail ambassadors. Oftentimes, someone picks you up and gives you a hitch. And by the way, the trail angel is actually a very low bar. If you give someone a hitch on the side of the road, you're a trail totally. angel. You share in the back country. You maybe have a, a, a you come across some hike, some uh, a couple through hikers and. Get an extra slice of pizza or two. You were eating lunch day. Uh, that's a trail angel. Totally. Any any help, especially random help, is wonderful. You are doing trail magic. But um, in this after dinner talk, uh, we talk about stream crossings. Uh, we we one year had two um, had two two strong, competent, slender young women die, high snow year, and every night I force myself to tell that story, and then look around. Uh, these 40 folks sitting there and discuss some extreme strategies, including including the final one or the final two, which is one, you've done everything else. You're by yourself. Wait. Someone else will come along. Right. Or you've done everything. You're with a few other people and this still looks dangerous. Turn around. Find an alternate way. And yeah. the words I want them to hear in our head is the words that Frodo, uh, when I did the Continental Divide Trail, she only she only did six hundred miles with me, and the rest of the time, she um, uh, she did support. Uh, she picked me up, take me to a little town, uh, drive me back, and did the same for a lot of other hikers. On the CAT, as we call it, it is far to trail towns, and there's very few cars in some of these small places in Wyoming, Montana. But her last words to me when she dropped me off were not "I love you." Her last words to me were "Make wise decisions." Right. And that's we look out in the circle of people, about as receptive as they're ever going to be, all their pores and nerves open, ready mm -hmm. to start tomorrow. And we tell them, here, throw those words in your head. Yeah.
Uh, I've said previously on podcasts, make adult decisions. Uh, you have to play with some of those scenarios in your mind of what you might confront if you've done enough research on your trail. And I just love the the fact that you're kind of setting the tone. I mean, you're the first, you're day, day, night zero, and you're able to, to almost give that, that pep talk in some way. And I would assume, you know, I, I had the question to ask you, but I think you've already painted it quite quite well in terms of what you get out of it is just being able to stay connected with those that are coming through that class year and being able that you've you've hiked it before to share share your wisdom so you nailed it i think for both of us we wish there were more kindness in the world and one of the things by doing this we feel we're sending this i like to say insidious wave of kindness out into the world Mm -hmm. You mentioned the the CDT, and, and I alluded to it earlier in my introduction, that you've hiked the three major trails uh, that run north to south across the United States, those being the AT, the PCT, and the CDT. So beyond having this experience, being an author, writing this book of your journey in 2007, you're one of the rare people that's hiked all three of those trails. Let's play a word association game. Like, how do you describe those three to somebody who's maybe never hiked parts of those trails or obviously the whole thing? Like, how, how are they different? If you, you know, had two minutes to say, this is what the AT is, this is what the CDT is, this is what the PCT is. Each of these trails are very different. There's often a description. The AT is your bachelor's. The PCT is your master's. The CDT is your uh, PhD. PhD, Yeah. There's some truth behind it, and also there's not. Because AT, they call the green tunnel. Mm -hmm. And true, for about two-thirds of it, I'm hiking in a green tunnel. If I want to see a landmark, I need to go off trail. Or the guidebook says, here, these are the two times the day you'll get a view. But the northernmost 500 miles of the AT, I wasn't prepared for. And that is completely opposite. In the presidentials, in the 100-mile wilderness, you are so often above treeline, and it's some of the hardest trail tread I have been on in this country. The Pacific Crest Trail is a, uh, it's my favorite. I admit that it's not just because my wife tells me I have to say so. But the PCT is both wild, because the AT feels less wild, you're near towns, is right. both wild, but yet approachable. The hitches aren't as long. It's it, some, the rough edges that are on the CDT aren't as much on the PCT. The trail tread is a thing to behold. It was made for horses also. It was also uh, a much um, more modern constructed trail. And so, so often it's this, it's this nice, wonderful trail tread. You can, uh, you can space out on the PCT bit. Uh, people will listen to podcasts, maybe such as this one, mm-hmm. uh, listen to music. Uh, you can admire the scenery. On the AT, I needed to be looking down and sneaking looks up. And let's get to the CDT. The CDT, the year I hiked it, I don't know, um, maybe a couple hundred start out tension through hike, uh, maybe a third finished. It was a hard year. We had a big snow year in the CDT in 2010. Its phrase that hikers use, and I know I'm getting close to two minutes here, is embrace the brutality. And at least every other day I get into some, I, I, something comes up and I think to myself, all right, I chose this. Yeah, I'm a half mile off trail and I am so good with a map and compass and with my GPS, but I'm a half mile off the trail. Yeah. Again, that trail, you start to relax a moment or two and one way or the other, it reaches up and slaps you in the face. Yeah. Uh, there are places it's still a route. Uh, it is 
see that mountain 20 miles away? Get to it. Uh, in the first 80 miles, there was a spot in that. I was trying to follow trail and realize this is this is more work. You know, it's not there. Signs are down. I know Pyramid Peak. I need to pass to the east of it. And I'm just pointing my nose in that direction. Yeah, go that way. Yeah. Yeah. All three are wonderful. But as you said, all three are very different. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I mean, app descriptions and and from what I've read and I've hiked parts of the AT and parts of the PCT, the CDT is the one that's intriguing to me because the trail, as you mentioned, disappears. The markings aren't as great. You're hitting the Rockies, so you're hitting some really high elevation with kind of that monsoon thunderstorms. You're obviously going through Yellowstone and glacier areas, which have significant wildlife. So yeah, I it jives with me that it just seems like there's various challenges that hit you at all different times and places. Um, whereas the AT, like you said, it kind of is a manicured, it's more established, it's closer to town. So I, I like, I like the bachelor's master's PhD. That's, that's probably the quickest way to describe the three. If you could only do one, let me ask you this two ways. If you recommended you know, a capable hiker that could do any of the three, which one would you recommend? And then if you could do one over, which one would you do? If I could do one over, I would do the uh, Pacific Crest Trail. Yeah. And if I were to recommend, I'd more take descriptions I gave you and yep. decide which one's best for you. I know people did the first through hike was the CDT and was right for them. Yep. And the same for AT and the same for PCT. Yeah, for me, if I ever if I ever muster up the time, the energy, the 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 willingness to do it, I feel the CDT attracts me for some reason. I think it's that that uncertainty, it's that lack of exposure and publicity. It, it seems more wild and just difficult and different. Um, but the PCT, I'm I'm a child of the West, so that I know that trail is beautiful, and I could see myself doing that as well. On the CDT. There are places I could go two days and not see another human being. Oh, wow. And I'm in drop-dead gorgeous country. I could sit at my tent at night in places, because you know where other people are. Those are around you. And the times I sit at my tent at night, and I know there's no one with the five, within a five-mile or ten-mile radius of me. And that's, this is the 21st century. And to have that experience right. was really, really wonderful. What was your favorite, um, like, 100-mile section in each of the three? PCT, John Muir, yeah. part, of the, uh, part of the John Muir Trail. Uh, AT, easily, uh, hands down, south south of the 100-mile wilderness, the uh, heart of Maine, uh, right around the worst mile on the uh, the AT, which is the uh, the Hoosick Notch. took me two hours to cover a mile. And wow. oftentimes you're crawling through. You have to take off your pack and you shove it through. Uh, rocks in the way. Yeah, that was cool. And on the CDT... Hmm. Ah, the um. Uh, I'll give you two. Either Glacier, the northernmost uh, hundred miles, uh -huh. or Wyoming, the Wind River Range. Yeah, yeah, the winds. Good friend of mine, big proponent of the winds, and I've disappointingly only done like a little four mile intro just to like get in and get a view, but have not been through the center of it. So that's that's definitely on the bucket list. Does not. They're still there for you, Riley. Yep, there's they aren't leaving. Um. Well, I love it. Well, thanks for regaling me. The Triple Crown stuff, like I could just personally just sit there and like lightning round questions for you. But I do want to get into the book, Journeys North. It comes out within a week, right? We're talking Saturday. 
Saturday. This Saturday. August 1st. I'm not going to be able to edit this before Saturday, so it will be a Saturday of of previous days. <laughs> but it's it's out for those listening to the podcast. The book is called Journeys North, and I want you to, to give me the overview. I know I kind of did a little bit of an overview earlier, but it is when you hiked in 2007. What kind of led you to wanting to to write? about that journey um, and share the story of not only you and Frodo, but of these, these characters that you come to, to hike with uh, throughout the trail. If you don't mind, I have to go back a little ways first. Yeah. Um, my late twenties, I all of a sudden got bit with the writing bug. Like literally someone had grabbed me by the throat and I'm in my late twenties. This is 1980. And I'm thinking I'm going to write the next great American novel. And um, I wrote a novel. I set aside, I was a lawyer in that life, and I really wanted to tell stories to people. This case was a courtroom novel, and I'd spent time in the courtroom. I wanted them to be there to experience uh, and, and feel what it's like. I had uh, some interest in New York, even had two ladies write back uh, from a major house, two pages, single space, how to change it. I, like, I was 28 years old, right? And so I said to myself, I'm not going to do it. And then Frodo and I started having kids, and it was time to move on. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to uh, 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 fast forward to uh, the eve of my PCT hike. I'm uh, scaling back at work, basically traded in being managing partner for uh, six months time away, and that maybe I'll come back to the practice or not. And I wrote in my journal every day. It's as if someone had had goosed me again, that same grab by the throat, and it, every night. I wasn't counting words, but I'd probably do 400 to 600 easily. My journal was as important to me as my feet. And so when I came back, I made some pitches and got some rejections, but I was successfully in getting published in the Pacific Crest Trail Association's communicator. Went from there to uh, getting it breaking into the Portland Oregonian. Mm. There in the Backpacker magazine. And all the while in the back of my mind is I want to write about what we experienced in 2007. I met some of the most amazing people, and especially some of their backstories. I'm still surprised that they told me and they trusted me with them. Um, there's one young woman, uh, literally after her mother and doctor, I was the next person that she told something. And I wanted to, um, I wanted to bring you and everyone else out there in the trail. The way I like to put it, and this is the funnier side of things, I like you to experience for a moment what it is like to be sitting in a pit toilet outhouse. You are wearing every stitch you own because it is blowing snot outside and you are cold and I'll get out. Your hands are around your little pot with your little alcohol stove is barely heating that sucker and it's warming up. And as you sit there, Riley, you are happy. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the cool part. You, you, I think in the, the forward or, or the, the back cover, it mentions that only a third made it that year due to some, some extreme conditions. So you're, you're telling the story for those who have, have hiked in that area or have not hiked in that area of, of kind of this, this character I'm calling the trail and all the things it's thrown at you. And then you have these folks that you've met on the, on the trail, you know, the blazer, the Dalton, uh, Tony, and they have extenuating circumstances and of why they've come to the trail. Um, whether it was due to jobs, whether it was, you know, coming out of college, whether it was loans, they have life stories. And so you're telling 
kind of this conflicting narrative of, of, of the trail versus the people. And you're kind of like excited to read about both. Like if you would have just wrote about you hiking the trail, I would have liked it because I enjoy hiking, but now I'm picking it up and like, I'm more and more excited to read about how these characters shape up. So I'm just, I'm loving how those two interact. And was that kind of intentional on your part? So it's very intentional because I felt I was privy to these stories I wanted to share. And actually, for um, the first while, I thought Blazer, Tony, Nadine, they wouldn't want me to share their stories. You know, there's some searing parts to it. Mm-hmm. And I at first thought I would do, um, I would do a book and the format would be like historical fiction. Right. So all the background is real. I have permission from those real people that year who hike myself and Frodo, but in the foreground, I would create people who evoke the same feelings as, as uh, Tony Nadine and uh, Dalton Blazer. Uh, uh, and yet I would invent their, their backstory life story. Right. And then my wife, God bless her. Uh, she looked at me one day and I'd already a lead character. I'd already constructed and begin to fall in love with because you need to fall in love with your characters or mm-hmm. so engrossed with them. She looked at me and said, you have to ask Blazer. You've made an assumption. And so I did. And I can sit here and I can just picture the two of us walking in D.C. Luster, I think it was a Tuesday afternoon. It's cold. She's got a muffler on. And I turned to her. And I'm a lawyer, right? So I, I carefully choose my words. And here's how I asked the question, finally. I asked her, you wouldn't want me to write about you, would you, Blazer? And you notice I'm expecting a negative answer. Yeah, yeah. She looks at me and she says, Scout, I trust you and it would be okay. Love it. So if I was writing about you, Riley, I would tell you this. That's great. I write with compassion and care, but also everything has to be in the palette. It's no holds barred. A year from now, you can't say, oh, Scout, you know, this piece you can't write about, or oh, you know, and, and these two other ones too. Mm-hmm. Let's talk now. And let's, um, let's, you know, and Tony, Nadine, Dalton, and Blazer have not only stayed true to this project, they, they are proponents. Nadine, I saw she, she, she posted on Facebook recently. She said, it's, it's really strange when you, uh, read about your life story through the perspective of, of, of someone else, someone you really trust. And I have to tell you, even to know how it all turns out, that, uh, that the, the rescue of me and Pacha, I know how it all turns out. I sat there and I was engrossed. Um, well, the the tagline when I first read it is lovely tagline. Whoever came up with the wild, the wild being Cheryl Strayed book on the PCT that I'm sure won tons of rewards and bestseller across the board and made a movie by or a movie made by Reese Witherspoon. So it's it's wild meets the breakfast club. I loved it. I thought that was a great tagline and in 150 pages as I am in right now, I'm seeing what that means. And so, yeah, like to tell us, tell us a little bit about where they can find the book, any upcoming events, what website, where, where do you want them to go pick up the book and order it? First, first place, good place, of course, is Amazon. Yep. Um, Mountaineers Books, which is a publisher, nonprofit, great place to any independent bookstore, please do so. And if you want to sign copy, just go to my website, uh, which is barneyscoutman.com. Press on the buy button. That's one of the alternates. Happy to do so, and I don't charge extra for it at all. I have um, book events coming up. 
uh, probably by the time when you hear this, the first uh, four of the first two weeks may well be gone. Again, on the website, reach out. Feel free to uh, reach out. Scout at barneyscoutman.com. Email. On my website, uh, if you're a subscriber, there's a little button press on that. And I do a every month, every two, uh, twice a month newsletter. That'll happen there. Really, I enjoy telling the stories. I really hope you'll uh, uh, come along with us in Journeys North. Definitely. And that is uh, Barney, B-A-R-N-E-Y, Scout, and then M-A-N-N, BarneyScoutMan.com. Uh, pick up the book, Journeys North. Like I said, First, first time interviewing an author, by the way. And so I didn't, I didn't want to go cliche and do like, it's a page turner or give kind of that faux. I've read 10 pages and I'm liking it. Like I am actively reading it and, um, I'm excited to reach out to you when I finish it so that I can just touch base and, and share some of the favorite parts of the book. Please do. Please do. Riley. Well, thank you, Barney, for joining us. Real pleasure. Have a good one.